So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ada. And it's the 27th of October. It's the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley. And help me to present the programme this morning, my good friend, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping today? We're good. We're good. We can't complain now. Thank you very much, Nick, for joining me, Shane. Um, we're not joined by our President Prayer Guy this morning, uh, and so myself and Shane will have to do the best we can. But in the meantime, what we do want to do, who we do want to welcome, are those listeners, as usual, who are housebound and lonely and struggling in some way today. Especially those listeners who support us each week in prayer. We value your staying with us, and thank you so much, especially with the prayer that you that you pray for us each week. Thank you so much. Our program is being broadcast on Sacred Space at West Limit 102 FM at 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. each Sunday, and is available for playback and download on commonseeinspirations.buzzsprout.com or our blog on sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Awful lot of blog spots there, guys. Sorry about that. And also on Spotify. So if you, if you have a, a Spotify account, search Come and See Inspirations, you'll find us there. And as, as we say each week, you'll, you'll, you'll hear the current program and previous um, programs, um, especially if you go to the Sacred Space blog. Um, you'll hear the programs go back to 10 years, 11 years, in fact. As usual, our program for today, will have some saints for the week. But in part two, Shane, you're going to, Invite us to reflect this morning on something different. Could you just share with us just briefly before we go any further? Yeah, yeah, no problem, John. So in part two of this week's program, um, we're going to take go through a, a reflection on death, dying and remembrance. Because, of course, uh, next week is the beginning of November. And, of course, in tradition, November is the month of the dead or the month of the holy souls. And, of course, we're also entering into the winter period and it's just a, it's a, just a, a reflection, I suppose, as we head into those dark months uh, and uh, a little, a, a few thoughts and some music uh, just for the occasion. So I just said uh, I'd invite Sharon just to mention that at the start of the programme in case maybe there's somebody in another room somewhere who might like to join in uh, to listen to that reflection that Sharon's going to give us this morning. And of course, in part three, we'll continue as usual to read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. Again, we'd like you to contact us at all, uh, by texting us, maybe, 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. You can email us, and that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. Please do that. Uh, please contact us with a, with a comment about the programme, uh, maybe a choice of music, maybe a choice of subject. Whichever way you want to do it, text us, please, 087-6088-667, or email sacredspace102 at gmail.com Now Shane, we're going to start off your busy week today in terms of the program. Um, first of all, Saints for the Week, please. Sure, John. So, uh, as uh, this week, uh, we're celebrating, of course, the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And so we're obviously into the 30th week in Ordinary Time. For those praying the Psalter, we're on week two. So, the 28th of October is the feast day of the Apostles St. Simon and St. Jude. Now, I always feel that poor old Simon and Jude are a bit hard done by because, unlike all the rest of the Apostles throughout the year, they they have to share their feast day, uh, whereas everybody else gets their own. But it's an interesting one. Of course, Simon is known as the Zealot. because he was supposedly so zealous, zealous even, for the Jewish law. 
um, like the apostles, uh, he is well. He's associated with evangelization in Egypt and Mesopotamia. Now, that's for those that are trying to find that on the map. That's Egypt and modern-day Iraq, which are quite different parts of the world. It has to be said. Um, he was a martyr for the faith, and he's generally depicted with a saw in his hand as the instrument of his martyrdom. Then. Uh, then uh, the other saint is Saint Jude. Now, a poor old Jude. I have a soft spot for Jude, uh, for a number of reasons, because of course, poor old Saint Saint Jude is Saint Jude Tadeus, and he is of course the patron saint of lost or hopeless causes. Now, one of the reasons why Jude is given the double barrel name Jude Tadeus is, to, of course, to distinguish him from Judas Iscariot. And the problem was why he is the patron saint of lost causes is because his name was mixed up with Judas Iscariot and he was never really assigned um, a devotion or a particular cause to look after. So I often think, actually, if you're really stuck for something to, uh, something, and you, some, and you need an intercessor, probably have a word with St. Jude, because chances are his, his inbox is probably not too busy. So he was, a, he was a, by tradition, he was a nephew of Mary and Joseph, so therefore a blood relative of Jesus, and he may have been a fisherman. Then uh, on the 29th of uh, October... We celebrate on the Irish calendar the feast day of St. Coleman. He's associated with, with Kilmacdua, which is in County Galway, as far as I know. He was educated or taught, or uh, he did his, um, what would you call it, his studies on Aran Island. Um, where, and he founded, he's, a, he's supposed to have founded two churches on Inishmore. And he returned to make a foundation at Kilmacdua, and he died around... Uh, actually, these dates are not actually given, which is an interesting one. Then um, the 30th of October is the feast day of Blessed Terence Albert O'Brien. He is a Dominican and he is he's one of the Irish martyrs and he joined the Dominicans in 1622. He was the provincial of Ireland, Bishop of Emily, and... Uh, he was asked to acknowledge the king, the English king, as head of the church, and he declined. And he was executed in 1651 in Limerick. So, and of course, he was beatified by Pope John Paul II in September 1992. Secondly, then, on, thir on Thursday, the 31st of October, which of course is Halloween, we have the feast day of Blessed Dominic Collins. And Blessed Dominic Collins is another one of the Irish martyrs beatified in 1992. He was a Jesuit, born around 1566 in Yall. After a military career, he entered the Society of Jesus as a brother. He wasn't ordained. He died. He returned to Ireland after his formation in 1601. But on, in June 1602, he was captured by the English. And again, he was asked to abjure and give up on his faith, which he refused to do. And he was hanged in Cork on the 31st of October, 1602. So that's Blessed Dominic Collins, uh, whose feast day we celebrate on the 31st of October. Then, of course, Friday next week, of course, is the first Friday of the month. But more importantly, it is the feast day of all saints. It's a solemnity where we recognize and we remember all the saints in heaven. It is a holy day. Uh, sorry, I was going to say it's a holy day of obligation to double check that. It's a solemnity. And generally in Ireland, the tradition is that people will go to mass for all saints. And then, of course, on Saturday, which is the first Saturday for those keeping that devotion, we have the commemoration of all the faithful departed. So this is for the holy souls, the souls in purgatory. 
and it, that is kept on uh, that is on on um, sorry that is on Saturday. So sorry, it's not it's not actually it's not actually a holy day of obligation in Ireland. I'm sorry, I was wrong on that front. Of course, the other thing to remind people for, of course, all saints and all souls, is the uh, the indulgences that are available for the holy souls. If you get confessions, um, go to mass, receive the holy Eucharist, and pray for the Pope's intentions in a church or oratory. So that is that, of course, is the is the tradition, of course, for all the holy souls, and that is for the uh, the week after um, all, all the all, all saints and all souls. So, John, that's what we have in terms of the liturgical calendar for the next week. Okay, Shane, thanks for that. Um, certainly want to chat a little bit more about those indulgences from the 1st uh, to the 8th of November. We'll do that in part two. But as this is the um, program that we're going to devote to remembering our dead, um, there's a little reflection that I picked up there recently. And um, it's actually uh, penned by Father Terence Harrington. And this is how it goes. It's entitled A Letter from Heaven. To my dearest family, there is something I'd like to say. But first of all, to let you know, I have arrived okay. I'm writing this from heaven, where I dwell with God. Where there are no more tears or sadness, just eternal love. Please do not be unhappy just because I'm out of sight. Remember that I'm with you every morning, noon and night. That day I had to leave you when my life on earth was through. God picked me up and hugged me and said, I welcome you. Then God gave me a list of things to do. He wished for me to do. The foremost on the list of mine was to watch and care for you. One thing is for certain. Though my life on earth is over, I am closer to you now than I ever was before. There are rocky roads ahead of you with many hills to climb. But together we can do it, taking one day at a time. And when you're walking down the street, and you've got me on your mind, I'm walking in your footsteps, only a half a step behind. And when that day for you to go from your body to be free, remember that you're not going. You're coming here to me. You might just think of that as we play our first bit of music, which is titled The Clouds Veil by Liam Lawton. Even though the rain hides the stars, even though the mist swells the hills, even when the dark clouds fill the sky, you are When the sun shall fall in sleep Even when at dawn the sky shall weep Even in the night when storms shall rise You are by my side You are by my side Stars at night that mirror heaven's way to you. 
listeners to part two of Sacred Space 102 here on West Limerick 102 FM. And that piece of music that brought us back into part two is the Gregorian chant version of In Paradisium. It is the antiphon from the traditional Latin liturgy of, from the Requiem Mass. And it was usually sung when the body of the deceased was being processed out of the church for burial. And it, is, it forms the introduction to this morning's reflection on November and the month of death, dying and remembrance. As we said in part one of the program, next Friday and Saturday, of course, is the feast days of the All Saints and the commemoration of the Holy Souls on the 2nd of November. But traditionally in the church, of course, November is the month dedicated to remembrance of the Holy Souls. And of course, from an Irish cultural perspective, we very much associate it with Halloween and the month of Samhain and entering into the dark, dreary days of the winter, day, in winter evenings. Of course, the other side of it, of course, is that 
death and dying is very much something that accompanies us throughout the year. But in November and December, of course, for those who have been most recently bereaved, but also those that might just be carrying the long pain of grief, the time of November can sometimes be a hard month to get through. Of course, the interesting thing about it is I was reflecting uh, or preparing for this reflection during the week. And one or two things struck me just as we were going about, you know, normal everyday life. So at the moment, I suppose I'm in the joyous position, I suppose, that between family and friends, I am up to my tonsils with new life in terms of small people that have come into the world. And it's a lovely kind of thing to be able to participate and share in the joys of, of new life with the arrival of small babies and toddlers and all the rest of it. But at the same time as well, I happened to be reading um, Anamkara by John O'Donoghue. And John, when he's reflecting on death in the book, he reminds us, I suppose, that death is one of those constant companions that we have throughout our lives. And it is something, if you like, that comes out of the womb with us. No matter who we are, no matter how our station, how high our station is in life, all of us at some stage will have to face the fact that our earthly journey is going to come to a close. It's going to come to an end, if you like. And, but, of course, the, one of the, the problems with that, of course, is that there is a huge fear about death. Um, you know, because death is change, and change is always fearful as well as challenging. But I suppose until we admit the fear, we cannot really accept the challenge. You know, until we can admit the fear, we cannot really appreciate the assurance deep down in our hearts that indeed we are actually not afraid. Be not afraid, of course, is one of the great expressions that comes out across the New Testament. A friend of mine once said that she thought there was 365 mentions of the expression, be not afraid throughout the Bible. I'm not sure about that one, but it's something I keep meaning to check one of these days. But in terms of our relationship with death and dying, I suppose one of the things to reflect on this morning is, of course, are we afraid of dying? And I suppose the answer is, if we're honest with each of us, if we've thought about it for a moment, is that, of course, we are. Because in our modern world, and even down throughout the ages, death is always seen as an annihilation and a quenching of the lamp, rather than, I suppose, as a transition or a transfiguration. If we even take the great Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, there's that wonderful line where, even though I walk to the valley of darkness, no evil will I fear, you are there with your crook and your staff. But for some of us, I suppose, when we look at the world around that we live in, I suppose the question that we have to ask ourselves is more a case of, are we afraid of dying, dying or are we afraid of living? Because if, we, if you have a life that's lived well, then, that, then our death is only the next stage in that journey. And I suppose as we reflect on it this Sunday morning, I would kind of ask the question to you, you know, when someone, we often hear the news that someone is, has been diagnosed with an illness or with cancer or something like that. And the expression that is used is they're told to put their affairs in order. 
And I always wondered about that expression. The first when the a friend of mine who 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 wouldn't English wouldn't be their first language, when they heard that expression, he turned to me and he said, "How many mistresses does he have?" <laughs> you know. And I was kind of going, "No, no, no. It doesn't mean that kind of an affair." But I suppose the other side of it is when we talk about putting our affairs in order, we talk about our material affairs, things like you know organizing your will, sorting out who gets what, paying off your debts, that kind, that side of life, and you know that's an important thing to reflect on and, and prepare for as well. But the other side of it, I suppose, is also how about putting your spiritual affairs in order? And it's kind of a case of thinking, well, what do I need to do from that side of things? What about that particular balance sheet? which needs to be looked at and examined. Uh, it's an interesting one, I suppose. There is a blog online called by a, a priest by Father Joseph, John uh, Zesseldorf, I think is how he pronounces his name. He's known as Father Z. And he's, an, he's a famous blogger in terms of priests online. He's got one of the oldest blogs. He's got many millions of readers. Father Z would be a rather conservative viewpoint, very attached to the traditional Latin mass. But it's an interesting one that again and again on, the, on his blog, he calls people to go to confession, to put themselves in preparation for whatever might happen. And I suppose it's something that we should think about maybe from time to time. Because we live in a world, I suppose, very much where we have become disconnected from death in many ways. If you think about it, even going back 20, 30, 40 years ago, when someone died, it was their family that would have prepared the body for burial. Uh, not so much anymore. And it's almost become, because we don't know what it is, because we don't participate often in it, people, what they don't know, they fear. And I suppose that's something for us to think about when we reflect on, on it. The other side, of course, is, is, is the world that we live in. You know, we can't avoid it. It overshadows all our lives. And while we might live longer than our grandparents, we're better fed, we have better vaccines, we don't die from the diseases they have. At the same time, we live in a world where we are, you know, warding off modern day plagues like suicide, abortion, addiction, racism, poverty, violence, and a culture of fear. We live in a world which fears old age. You know, we fear crime. We fear people who don't look like us or earn as much as us. We fear other countries. You know, it's something we live, we are, we are a people who are afraid, despite being the most free people in the world. And as we reflect on it, I suppose, you know, we have to think about death is very much something we should become more familiar and accepting of and comfortable with in many ways, because it's part of our everyday lives. So, but to be, like I said at the start, to reflect on that is to have, to, to be able to welcome it, is of, to welcome a good death, I should say, is that we should have lived a good life. So I suppose as we pause for the first piece of music in this morning's reflection, I suppose the question I would pose to you as you're listening this morning is, Rather than being afraid of, the, of our death that we might, we might face, the question should be, are you living your life to its maximum potential? So that eventually when that knock comes on the door from Brother Death, you will just turn to him and say, welcome, come let us go on the next part of the journey of life. And I suppose to live that life well, 
we are called to set our hearts on the higher things in life. And so the next piece of music that we have is exactly called that, setting our hearts on the higher gifts.
I suppose as well, when we talk about death and dying and grief that results, at this particular time of the year, we're very conscious of those who have lost loved ones in the last 12 months in particular. Uh, in my home parish in Shanna Golden, our PP has a, tra- a lovely tradition. Initially, I wasn't too sure about it, but as we've gone through and gotten used to it, what he does is when he prays for the dead, he has a list he keeps of everyone that has been buried from the churches in the parish, and they are remembered and named at every mass, every weekend, until their first anniversary. And I think it's a lovely reminder to us of those in the community that are traveling and are being accompanied by grief for the first 12 months. And it's also something that we have to be very conscious of because accompanying someone in grief is something that we as a community try to do. Irish people are good at funerals and being with people when death occurs, but it is the days and the months after that when grief is the constant companion with the person who has lost a loved one, that maybe that accompaniment needs to be there. And one of the great things about it is it doesn't require inane chatter. People will often say, oh, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to do. But when you have lost someone like that, you know, and you're picking yourself up after the death of a loved one, it's someone just being there with you and being present, even if it is in the silence of a shared grief, that you can appreciate it. When you are dealing and you are recovering from grief, you have to pick yourself up after the pandemonium of the funeral. And it's like almost like a reverse culture shock of death because everything is the same and nothing is the same because there's this gaping void in, our, in your heart and in your home. I love the way that, you know, for the first 30 days after a person's died, we have the month's mind to mark the closure of that 30 days. And it's interesting because you're almost looking after the newborn soul of the person that has died to pray for them and for to remember them. But we should also remember and pray and feed the soul of those that are left behind. And the other side, of course, is to remember that the pain and suffering that we endure when someone dies is not something to be cast aside and told get over it sure you should be beyond something like that already how we deal and cope with grief is a journey each of us has to make individually and november presents that opportunity for us when we can think and reflect and be open to that grief journey that we go through but remember the pain that we experience as part of the grieving process is only often ever equivalent to the love that we have lost. And remember, love is never wasted. No matter what, be it the death of the child or the slow, tormented departure of someone suffering from dementia, you can never say it is a waste, for love is never a waste. The pain of departure, the pain of loss, is only equal to the love we have shared. And to have loved and be loved in return is one of the things that makes us truly human. Love is never wasted. And the grief that you feel as you miss that loved one is only equivalent to the love that you shared together. November is a time of remembrance. 
It's a time set aside in the liturgical calendar for our loved ones. And may this piece of music, sung by James Kilban, give you a moment in the day to pause and to remember. Wherever 
So that was James Kilbam's A Time to Remember. Now, the piece of music he, that he sung is actually written by Father Liam Lawton, but it's, it's a reminder to us that remembrance and telling the story and sharing our story is an important part of being able to cope with the journey of grief. Um, being able to share the memories, both the good and the bad, being able to tell the story of a loved one is an important part of the process of dealing with grief. Because death is a lonely visitor, you know. After it visits your home, you know, nothing is ever again the same. There's an empty place at the table. There's an absence in the house. It's an incredibly strange and desolate experience. And, you know, for, when you've experienced death, something breaks within you. Because gone is the person whom you loved, whose face and hands and body you knew so well. Um, and after death, I suppose many questions can come into our mind concerning where has the person gone? You know, what they see, what they feel. But the death of a loved one is bitterly lonely. Um, we can't take another person's place, I suppose, on that final journey that has to be made because they are returning to the home to which they've been called in the next part of life. At the top of the reflection, I spoke about death being a transfiguration, you know, a, a changing of who and what we are. And as people of faith, as people of hope, it's what sets Christians apart in many ways. I think it's one of the letters of St. Paul where he said, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Because, of course, for us as Christians, the resurrection is the key part of why we have hope despite the darkness of death. Why we persist in, in believing and beginning again and starting anew. Because death, where is your victory? Because Christ has redeemed death for us. The writer and the poet, Brendan Kennelly, has that wonderful poem, Begin Again. And I suppose it's a reminder to us that are dealing with the journey of grief, particularly facing into this dark November. Sometimes death can be a traumatic experience for us as well. And for those of us that are left behind, it's very hard to try and pick ourselves up and start anew. Brendan Kennelly's poem, Begin, is a wonderful reflection on that in terms of trying to encourage us how to start and he talks about begin again to the summoning birds, to the sight of the light at the window. Begin to the roar of morning traffic all along Pembroke Road. Every beginning is a promise, born in light and dying in dark. Determination and exaltation of springtime flowering the way to work. Begin to the pageant of queuing girls, the arrogant loneliness of swans in the canal. Bridges linking the past and future, old friends passing through with us still. Begin to the loneliness that cannot end, since it perhaps is what makes us begin. Begin to wonder at unknown faces, at crying birds in the sudden rain, at branches stark in the willing sunlight, at seagulls foraging for bread, at couples sharing a sunny secret alone together while making good. Though we live in a world that dreams of ending, that always seems about to give in, something that will not acknowledge conclusion insists that we forever begin. I thought it was very appropriate because 
it's a, it is the call, the call to hope for us as Christians. Death is only the transformation in our lives. We need to understand it, I suppose, and try to embrace it by living our lives for what we are called to be by God himself. A life well lived, a life is not gauged by how long it is or when it ends, but rather how well it is lived in its duration, no matter short or how long it can be. A couple of years ago, two friends of mine got the sad news that a little girl that they were expecting would not survive beyond birth. But they decided as a couple to go ahead with that pregnancy, and that lovely little girl was born. She was named and she was christened. She was introduced to her big brother and sister. She met her grandparents. She had her birth cert, so the state acknowledged that she was born. But sadly, two days later, God decided that he wanted this particular little angel to sing in the heavenly choir. And so she had her own little funeral and was issued with her own death certificate. But even that short duration of two days, she lived, she was loved, she was treasured, and she still is treasured to this day, remembered by her parents and her family. No matter how short the life is, no matter how sweet it's, or brief its duration, life is for living and for treasuring so that in death we can embrace the love of God as he calls us home. And as we face that final journey, sadly a journey we can only face on our own, for no one can travel it with us, for those that we leave behind, the message that we can say to them is, don't worry for me, I trust in God. Let him embrace me and I am not too far from you. And so as we draw this reflection to a close this Sunday morning, our final piece of music to close out is that lovely hymn, Going Home. Just pass by through a open door. 
So welcome back again to the third part of Common Sea Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose and the other end of the Skype line. And thanks so much indeed for Shane for sharing those reflections with us and the pieces of music. Appreciate it by us all. Thank you so much. So this part of the programme is we read and reflect on the Word of God. And before that, we, pr- we pray a prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wonder, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So we might invite Shane uh, this week to to share the Gospel for us, which is taken from the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. It's the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verse 9 to 14. Thanks, Shane. Jesus spoke the following parable to some people who prided themselves on being virtuous and despised everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood there and said this prayer to himself, I thank you, God, that I am not a grasping, unjust, adulterous like the rest of humankind, and particularly that I am not like this tax collector here. I fast twice a week, I pay tithes and all I get. The tax collector stood some distance away, not daring even to raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man, I tell you, went home again at rights with God. The other did not. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the man who humbles himself will be exalted. And that's the gospel for this week, John. Thank you very much, Nietzsche. Okay, we've got a time for about a minute each and, and a very quick reflection. I might just kick off first of all. The gospel um, passage that jumped out at me today, actually, just before I start on my reflection, just just remind listeners, and this is this is pertinent to what I'm going to say. We usually ref, uh, re, um, re- record this program midweek. This particular week, we recorded it last Wednesday. Last Wednesday of uh, this week was the day the news broke about 39 human beings who lost their lives locked and sealed in a container found in Essex in the UK. These people were desperate to improve their conditions. They were forced to exist in. And the gospel passage that jumped out at me when I heard about those was the first line in today's gospel. Jesus spoke the following parable to some people who, pro- who prided themselves on being virtuous and despised everybody else. We can condemn, okay, and it's probably right to do, we can t- condemn, those, condemn those who maybe were involved in the trafficking of these people. But what I've been listening to today on the radio talks about people in our neck of the woods, our part of the world, tightening borders. So it's to prevent these poor people from entering our country wherever we might be, England, Ireland, Europe, and so on and so forth. And I have to ask myself, where do I stand? Am I one of those voices resisting any idea of those from less well-off nations coming to live in my neighbourhood? 
Am I one of those people spoken about by Jesus today who pride myself in being virtuous? If we're followers of Jesus, we have to examine our own attitudes to those desperately in need of help and sharing what we have. Yes, we need to condemn, just like that Pharisee did today, we have to condemn those involved in transporting these people in the container today. But we need to ask ourselves a question as well. Are we among the people Jesus spoke about today in the Gospel who pride ourselves on being virtuous, virtuous people and despising others? We sit by and say we can do nothing about it when these people are suffering so much in these foreign lands are stuck out at the ends of the earth without maybe water, maybe the basics of life, yet we are overflowing in luxury. Maybe today... I certainly, and maybe we should all be asking a, a, the same question or making the same comment that the, ta- that the tax collector said today. Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. My little reflection, Shane, you got about a minute less. Would you like to share something? Yeah, um, just I suppose a quick thought on this Sunday's Gospel. So it's the second one, John, very much associated with prayer, like last Sunday's Gospel. And as you said, I suppose it encourages us to look and see how do we have those conversations with God, those moments of divine encounter that we need and have throughout our daily lives. St. John Henry Newman, as he is now, used to speak about conversations with God, which were quorum a quorum, heart to heart. Teresa of Avila, Uh, used to talk about conversations being conversations um, which were with your closest friends in some ways. It's kind of prayer is an act of love. And mental prayer is nothing less than an intimate sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with him who who knows and loves us best. The important thing is not to think too much, but to love much. And I think that links back as well to what we were talking about in the second part of the program in terms of making time to be with and for each other and no matter what, even if it is in silence. And that silence can be the silence of human companionship or the silence of the companionship with the divine master who we seek to encounter. And as you said, John, this Sunday's gospel is a reflection for us to ask ourselves, in what way do we approach our encounter with God and to remind ourselves that everything is in the Lord's hands alone. A reminder that prayer is nothing else than a being on terms of friendship with God. So again, thanks a lot, Shane, for, for sharing uh, those beautiful reflections with us. And the piece of music you want to finish up with today? It is another in Parasidium, it, in Parasidium rather. It is the more classical piece by Faure, I think is how you pronounce the man's name. And it's just another interpretation. It's sung by the, co- the choir of, of Christ College, Cambridge. Okay, so until next week, thank you so much for joining us. For myself and Shane, God bless you all now. Bye. Thank you.